Bucks on three. One, two, three. Bucks. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Fire them cannons. Brought to you by Florida Hospital, exclusive hospital of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Florida Hospital supports everyone that believes in someday. And someday soon, Florida Hospital will be Advent Health. And we welcome you into a very special edition of Buccaneers Total Access. And our special guest is Tony Dungy. Tony, I appreciate you taking time out. I know how busy your schedule is right now. But uh, it is uh, something that you and I used to do for a number of years. And that was after a game was over with, we would sit down and do your radio show. Yeah, for six years, Jeff. And it was, uh, after that first year, it was a lot of fun. The first year was kind of explaining losses and how we're getting better. And we really were making progress. But when you got a chance, uh, year two through six, to talk about what the guys were doing, how it was coming in place, uh, that was a lot of fun. And so... In football world, and we were joking about it as we were coming up on the elevator, is today is Friday, but really in football <laughs> world, it's Thursday. Yes, yes, everything functions on the game. And you play a Thursday game or Monday game, it throws the whole routine off. But what we found as coaches, the best thing to do is just shift that thinking over and, you know, hey, this is two days before the game. So and- it's not you know friday it's thursday and that's why dirk cutter is doing what he's doing he usually sits here on friday but um what we usually did when we started the show out many years ago and it i i to me it seems like yesterday but we start doing the math and it's not but what we used to do is we talked about the game and one of the tweets and and i follow you on twitter and one of the tweets you you went out um and a lot of people thought you went out on a limb you picked the Buccaneers over the Eagles. And so my first question is, why and what did you see that made you go that way? Well, we had the Eagles game on NBC week one, and I was there, and they beat Atlanta, and it was impressive. But Atlanta's wide receivers had a nice day. Julio Jones caught 10 or 11 balls. Mohamed Sanu did, and they missed some things that were there. And just the style of Philadelphia's defense, they put their corners on an island, and they expect them to handle things. And I said, you know, if Ryan is on, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to the wide guys. And then the other side of the coin was, um, you know, the, the Eagles running game wasn't like it was last year. Uh, Ajayi was coming into his own. They didn't have LeGarrette Blunt, So they were, you know, they're, they're kind of finding their space in, in their offense. And I just said, this is going to be a perfect storm. The things match up well for us and the heat. I knew it was going to be a factor. I said, if we hang in there, which we used to do back when I was here, those 1 o'clock games, teams from the north yep. would wear them down in the fourth quarter. So I, I thought it was going to be a good day for the Bucks, and they, they did it. Did you see the New Orleans game to make you go more into? I, I did. That? I saw Ryan and you know getting the ball to those wide receivers and getting deep on New Orleans a couple times. Atlanta didn't really have speed wide receivers. They had guys who could get open. But I thought we had the, the chance to have a big day throwing the ball, and, and, and they did. Um, you were also here during uh, preseason or, or during training camp, and you spoke to the team, and you got to watch practice. Uh, your, your impressions of where you think this team is right now? It's a very confident group, and it reminded me a lot. And I told Coach Cutter that. Uh, it reminded me of 1997. Mm-hmm. Our, our guys were very confident. People in the outside world didn't see it coming. And they, they, they didn't sense it. We'd been 6-10 and 10 the year before. 
but um, we felt good about it, and we had a killer schedule, yeah. you know, just like the Bucks this year. And we came out five and zero. Oh, and I told Coach, I said that this team can do some damage and come out with a, a winning streak. People are saying, oh, if you could win one of the first three, it'd be awesome. Right. I, I didn't see it that way, and I, I don't think this team saw it that way. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for everyone to realize is what's inside a building and what's outside the building. Yes. And, you know, we had that finish of the 96 year and our defense was coming on. We drafted a, a couple of guys who mm -hmm. gave us some special things offensively, Warwick Dunn and Redell Anthony. And uh, we just knew we were a different team. And to me, this group kind of saw it that way too. It was, as I was watching them practice, they they had the confidence that it didn't look like a, a team that didn't know where they were going. And they knew that Jameis wasn't going to be there, but Ryan – Ryan knows what he's doing, and those guys have confidence in him. Are you? I mean, everyone talks about a 35-year-old quarterback, but if you start looking in the league, there are a number of people who are plus 35 yeah. playing. Now, because he hasn't always been a starter, there's like that little asterisk there of, well, he didn't start, so how good can he actually be? And the other thing people don't realize, this team has done something unique, um, very similar to what we did in Indianapolis when they drafted Peyton Manning. And then they said, you know, we've got to put some weaponry around him. So then it's Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Edgerin James and uh, Marcus Pollard and Dallas Clark. And that's what this team has done. They drafted Jameis and they said, we've got a franchise quarterback. Now we've got to put some pieces around him and make sure he's got weapons to use. So when you look at, at some of these guys that are here and Doug Evans and Deshaun and O.J. Howard, the pieces are in place, and Ryan Fitzpatrick knows how to play quarterback, mm -hmm. and he hasn't always had pieces like he's got now. Isn't it funny, though, as they get older, every player says, I understand the game more, and you, and, and as someone who you know, wasn't good enough to play, uh, even high school football, speaking of myself, I don't understand how you don't know the game if you've done <laughs> it since high school, so explain that to me. Well, what, what happens, especially for a quarterback, you begin to understand defenses can take away a lot of things, but they can't take away everything. What does this defense do well? What are they going to take away? What does that give me? And I think that's where Ryan is so good right now. Hey, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're a good defense. They've got a good pass rush. They've, they've, they play this scheme that makes it tough to throw the ball in the middle of the field, but they're, the wide guys are going to be able to have some one-on-ones today. That's where I've got to make my hay. The first game of the year against New Orleans, he had a great feel of the weak spots there. Pittsburgh's going to be a, a different challenge. Uh, but having that ability to figure it out, you don't have to, to make every play. Every play is not a touchdown. You know, it's, hey, when is that key moment where I can strike? And when you learn that, the game seems to become easy. And some quarterbacks get it right away. Others, it takes a while. As long as you get it. As long as you get it, you can function. You mentioned the 97 season, and I know we've talked previously um, that 97 season. You, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was your most fun season. Most and, fun and, I've ever had and, in football. And I, and I think about you, you, won, uh, you won a Super Bowl. It wasn't as fun as 97. 97 here, by that time, it had been 14 straight losing seasons. We had this hardcore fan base that was behind us. They wanted to win, but we had a lot of the town that was, hey, uh, you know, Bucks, mm -hmm. so we'll see, see what they do. When we started winning and people got back on board, it was so much fun, and it was unexpected. 
you know, and we beat the 49ers on opening day and we shut out Jerry Rice mm-hmm. and Steve Young and people were firing. Whoa, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. But then we had two road games in Minnesota and in Detroit that normally we, you know, had trouble up there. Mm-hmm. We won those two games and now people were like, maybe this team is for real. And that was so much fun to see people come back to the stadium to get involved, to stay. And we had the new uniforms, and we're wearing the pewter and Mm -hmm. red, and it was different. And walking around town and people, hey, man, I'm excited about the game. And I'll never forget John Cordova, who worked in the ticket office. We're playing Miami week four. And he came in like 20 minutes before the game. He said, we don't have any more tickets left. And that was like a high for me. We'd gone from, you know, yeah, those small crowds, thirty thousand right. to to right. we are sold out on Sunday night national it, TV. It's funny if you look at the picture up on yeah. the wall. There is the old sombrero. That was the last Detroit. Yeah. Uh, that was the Detroit Lions game. But, last game in the building. But that was what was going on in '97. Yes. Um, I've noticed it a little bit. I I, I um, had a doctor's appointment. I had an eye appointment, and I get real personal. I just had an uh, eye exam. And it seemed like everybody in the office just wanted to talk about yeah. how good the last two weeks were. And, I, and I'm and i thinking, yeah, okay, this is people are starting to take notice again. But it's hard to keep stringing wins together. It is. And the National Football League is, you know, so competitive. And, and the teams are so close. And you can play your best. And you aren't going to win every week. Uh, so to do what this team has done, now they're coming back playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. we're going to get the best of what they've got because they're at a point now – this is their season. Is I always find it amazing as as a fan. You look at it and say, "Wow, a lot of points here." This that. I mean, a perfect example was Baltimore. They put a ton of points on their first week. The second week, they lost. One week doesn't mean anything for the next. It doesn't, and especially in September. Uh, everybody, I think people are still trying to figure out the preseason, how to do it as coaches. You know, I, I've got to play my guys enough, but I can't get guys hurt. If if we lose key players, the salary cap's going to strangle us. So nobody is playing the way we used to uh, in preseason. So now you get these great performance one week, down performance the next week, penalties, and then we get that straightened out. So it's going to be until October, I think, until we really know where teams are. But um, you you haven't seen a lot of teams, even New England. They played pretty well opening Mm -hmm. day and then went to Jacksonville and didn't play like we're used to seeing New England play. So um, I, I think that's just going to be part of life here for the next couple of weeks. And that's what makes it fun. It is. It's what it makes is. it fun. Well, when we come back on the, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Tampa two and what it really <laughs> is, because I, I want to make sure I even understand what the Tampa two is. We'll have more on Buccaneers total access with Tony Dungy brought to you by Florida hospital. This is Buccaneers radio. Sure we can. It's a large Domino's pizza with any two toppings for just five ninety nine. It's a price so low we can't even say it out loud. I just did. It's five ninety nine. We're not even allowed to think about this limited time offer. Is this how you really talk? Yes. Backed by popular demand, it's Domino's five ninety nine carryout pizza deal. This week only, get a large pizza with any two toppings of your choice for just five ninety nine. Now through September twenty third, only at Domino's. Carryout only. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary. The world moves faster every day. It's easy to think this fast-forward future is for others, that new opportunities aren't for you. But you know better. Life isn't passing you by because you know how to own your time and make it work for your future. Rasmussen College can help you get there. Flexible, affordable programs. Start-to-finish support. The degree you need. 
the future you want at the speed of life. It's your time. Visit rasmussen.edu. Hey, Ronnie Lane here for Bucks game day coverage. It's 98 Rock. The Bucks play the Steelers tonight. The Buccaneers pregame show starts at 5.30, kickoff at 8.15 on 98 Rock, where Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore have all of the play-by-play covered. Putting a winning lineup together is tough. Getting a quote from GEICO is not. Visit GEICO.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO or contact your local GEICO office today. This is Gerald McCoy of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As a kid, I used to wish. Someday, I'm going to play in the NFL. And I hoped. Someday, I'll be a first-round pick. And I dreamed. Someday, I'll be a pro bowler. Because someday holds so much hope for all of us. As the exclusive hospital of the Buccaneers, Florida Hospital supports everyone who believes in someday. And someday soon, Florida Hospital will be Advent Health. How do you become America's best-selling brand? You build the legendary F-Series trucks, America's best-selling trucks for 41 years, with Super Duty and Motor Trend's 2018 Truck of the Year, the F-150. Now is a great time to check out Ford F-Series trucks with great offers, leases, and financing at your local Ford store or online at buyfordnow.com. America's best-selling based on 2017 calendar year sales. Best-selling trucks based on sales December 1976 to November 2017. Truth is, we're all being pushed. Pushed to grow up, pushed to be the best, pushed to fight for each other. And he goes up back to cut! Throws the pass down toward the end zone. Hot ball! Touchdown Tampa Bay! Mike Evans does it again! I know what it's like to be pushed. It's time to push back. Don't miss the Buccaneers as they take on the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, October 21st. Get your tickets at Buccaneers.com slash tickets. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Florida Hospital, exclusive hospital. Buccaneers Total Access, Tony Dungy is here. And um, Tony, your career, you were a player, you were a coach, but becoming a head coach, how many interviews did it take with different teams to finally become the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? There weren't a lot of interviews, Jeff, but it was a long process and a lot of years. I um, started out as an assistant coach in Pittsburgh. I was defensive coordinator at 28 years old, just kind of unbelievable set of circumstances. We're winning, and people are saying this guy might be a head coach. So So at 28, you were a a defensive coordinator? I was defensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was a a lofty position. and working for Chuck Knoll and learning and, and we're winning and got some very good defensive players. What were the circumstances? Uh, the USFL came into existence. Oh. So we lost like three coaches just like that, bang, 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 to become head coaches in the new league. And uh, Coach Knoll said, you know the most about this defense of anybody <laughs> left on the staff. So you're going to take take charge of it. So right place, right time, yep. opportunity, and you seize the moment. Yeah, seize the moment. So – then 1986, I think I had an interview with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm still young, you know, 30 years old, maybe 31 at the time. And um, that that went well, and it was a good experience for me. I interviewed in Green Bay, but they were really looking for an offensive coach, and Lindy and Fani got the job. Uh, I ended up leaving Pittsburgh, going to Kansas City, was there three years, and then went to Minnesota and worked for Denny Green. And again, now uh, we had – 
John Randall and Chris Dolman and Henry Thomas and just outstanding defense and, and we're winning and in the playoffs and starting to get more notoriety and people say, well, you know, it, it's just a matter of time now. And Denny really helped. He was championing my cause and I interviewed with the Philadelphia Eagles and Ray Rhodes got that job. They were coming off a Super Bowl at San Francisco. So I kind of felt like it was getting closer. Mm -hmm. But uh, I had one other interview, and I won't tell you what team it was with. Ooh. But um, it was going really well. And I remember calling my wife halfway through when we took a break because I really think I might get this job. And at the end, the owner asked me, he said, now, I, I understand that you don't use profanity. And I said, no, I really don't. He said, I know I've heard you don't raise your voice. How in the world are you going to get these guys to do what they need to do and mold us into a championship team if you don't, you know, I don't know how you're going to do that. And I said, well, kind of like my dad did with me, I think the players will respect me. They'll know that I care about them. Eventually we'll get this relationship where we're just going to bond and they'll do things because they, they respect me and they want to. And the guy looked across the table. He said, that, that would never work in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get the job, obviously. <laughs> so a year later, I come to Tampa. and Rich McKay had started the search. He was doing it for the, the Glazers. And we had a couple of talks. And he met me a couple of different places and came back and told Mr. Glazer and Brian and Joel, I think I found the right guy. But you guys need to get to know this guy. Mm -hmm. So I came down here and met the Glazer family, and I kind of gave them the same spiel. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I've been successful here. I you know, worked for Chuck Knoll and Bill Walsh and Denny Green and Marty Schottenheimer, and I think I've got the best of all worlds. And uh, Mr. Glazer, instead of saying that'll never work, he said that that sounds like a good formula to me. And then you were hired. I was hired. I went to Burns Steakhouse. I'll never forget it. <laughs> and the media was out there. We're up in the dessert room, and there's all kinds of people out there. And Mr. Glazer said, I think we ought to take go downstairs and introduce him to the next coach. And, and that's uh, that was music went. to my ears. Wow. You had a uh, a very special relationship with, with Mr. Glazer, with Mr. Malcolm Glazer. Uh, and I think a lot of people are surprised by that. But I know it because I witnessed it. But how did that how did that bond get? Created? He was fantastic, and he was so supportive. And uh, I think you know it was his first couple of years of owning the team, my first year of being a head coach. So we kind of bonded together that way. But more than anything else, we had the same thoughts. He wanted this to be a family mm -hmm. operation. I wanted it to be that way. Uh, he used to let me bring my boys on the road trips, yep. and we'd sit on the bus or on the plane, and and. I'd sit next to him, and he would talk to my boys about what it means to be a good son and what it means to listen and how you grow and you honor your father by what you do. And uh, those were always special times. They were, they were great talks, um, and that's where I think we became so close. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'm just curious, would you do an interview, and you don't have to say what team or whatever, but what are the questions that are, when, you, when you're interviewing for a head coaching job? Is it you bring your playbook down, you drop it down and go, here we go? Some people want to know that, uh, but mainly what's the plan? Hey, our team isn't very good. How are you going to make us better? Here's our players. How are you going to utilize these guys? What do you see as your strong points? Um, how are you going to turn this, this thing around? And a lot of people want to get a sense of just your kind of uh, – 
I don't know what you want to call it, your energy and your excitement for the, the thing. And I think that's what hurt me sometimes because I would say, hey, this is very important. I'm going to win a, a Super Bowl for you. That's my plan. But uh, I'm not going to be here 24-7. I'm not going to be sleeping in the office. There are other things I want to do. I think it's important for us to set the right tone, to be role models, to have the right type of players that the young kids can look up to, to be involved in the community. And some people don't want to hear that. They want to hear that you are going to be at the job 24-7, and it's the most important thing in the world to you. Your demeanor has always been that most people know. But as a player, you weren't you weren't the quiet sort. <laughs> so I know that because I, I did learn um, – in our in our talks, a lot of times after we would get off the air, you and I would talk, and I always remember you saying because I asked you about getting excited about stuff, and your comment to me was, and I believe it was your father said, "You're gonna yell and scream, and then when you're done, you're gonna have to go do it anyways. So why don't you just yeah. calmly get it done? Is that true? Yes. How are you gonna make the situation better? Um, and I had to learn that. I learned that from my dad and from Tom Moore, who was my quarterback coach. But I was the person you see now that was not me as an athlete and mm -hmm. competitor. Technical fouls. I got thrown out of the, my last high school basketball game, regular season game ever, you know, uh, fights, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And my dad would say, how productive is that? Um, yeah, you get mad at the referee and you yell and scream, you still have to run the next play. You still have to make a first down. So you better think about that and, instead of just venting all your anger and frustration. Eventually I learned that, but it took a while. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> well, this is what I want to do. I've got a whiteboard okay. and I've got a, a um, pen to write on it. And everyone talks about the Tampa 2. And as you draw the Tampa 2, can you explain what it's about? Yes. For years and years and years in the National Football League, this is what you got. Basic formations, one wide receiver on each side, two backs in the backfield, one tight end. And everybody said the big thing you had to do was not give up deep passes and big plays. And if you didn't do that on defense, you would win. So everybody played what we call either three-deep zone or man-to-man. -man. You had your two corners on the outside and a free safety in the middle of the field. And those guys protected that deep area. And if you did that, you know, you make the team go the long way. Well, you had all these accurate quarterbacks then that would just throw quick, short passes and throw the ball underneath. And the quarterbacks got so good, they would move the ball down the field. That way, everybody was protecting deep. Um, but percentage-wise, you had trouble stopping people. So in 1972... Bud Carson came to the Pittsburgh Steelers and said, nobody's attacking down here. We're wasting these guys. We're going to end up playing two deep guys instead of three. We're going to split the deep area in the middle of the field and let our two safeties handle the deep area. Now we're going to bring our corners up, and we're going to take away this short, quick passing game that everybody does. We'll still have our three linebackers in the middle. Mm -hmm. But now we'll have five guys playing those short zones. We'll make it tougher to throw short, maybe a little easier to throw deep. But if we can get a good pass rush and the quarterback doesn't have time to throw deep and we force him to throw short, these guys will have a field day. So that was the basis behind it in 1972. I came to Pittsburgh in 77 after they had you know, won a couple of Super Bowls with this. It kind of went dormant uh, for a long time. 
Uh, but that's what I believed in. Mm -hmm. And I grew up there, and then I ended up coaching there eight years, learning it. And so 1992, which was 15 years after I ended up playing, right. um, I go to Minnesota. I'm the defensive coordinator. Monty Kiffin was the linebacker coach. All he had played was three deep. So I come in saying, hey, we're going to be this two deep concept, cover two. And he said, I don't know that much about it, but here's what we do and here's how we do the run game. So we put together with basically his run defense and my pass defense that became what we played in, in Minnesota. And we had good success with it our second year. We led, set a record for run defense, led the league in takeaways, and people are saying, wow, that's pretty neat. When we come down here in 96, Monty comes with me, and we've got, sitting on the roster already, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, and John Lynch. Perfect fits for this defense. And we started having success, and everybody now thinks it got invented in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called Tampa, Tampa too. too. Uh, but it, it really goes back about 20 years before that. But the, now there's variations of it. But what, what this was, what you brought in, because everybody's kind of made an alteration. To yeah, it. everybody's done their thing. But the people who have been here, Rod mm -hmm. Marinelli mm -hmm. and Monty Kiffin yeah. and Lovey Smith and, and Mike Tomlin and Herm Edwards um, – they play this, and it, they know it's not Tampa, too, but that's what it's called. You got to go with it. <laughs> per perception's reality. Yes. Well, I feel better now because it's always bugged me because uh, a lot of times I go, someone will say it's Tampa, too, and I'll think, no, it's not. No. But There's only it, a few of us still around that really, really believe in Tampa, too. I had my opportunity to get it from you, and I'm not erasing this board, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're good to go. I'll have more with Tony Dudge on the special edition of Buccaneers Total Access. It's brought to you by Florida Hospital. This is Buccaneers Radio. Hey, this is Rick Stroud, sports writer for the Tampa Bay Times. I'd like to invite you to listen to my new daily podcast, Sports Day Tampa Bay. We'll talk Rays, Lightning, Bucks, and Bulls. I'll have special guests join me regularly for their takes and answer questions from listeners. Join the conversation on Twitter at SportsDayTB and use the hashtag SportsDayTampa Bay. It's Sports Day Tampa Bay. Download it now on iTunes or go to tampabay.com slash sports. Tampa Bay Times, journalism that matters. This is Gerald McCoy of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As a kid, I used to wish. Someday, I'm going to play in the NFL. And I hoped. Someday, I'll be a first-round pick. And I dreamed. Someday, I'll be a pro bowler. Because someday holds so much hope for all of us. As the exclusive hospital of the Buccaneers, Florida Hospital supports everyone who believes in someday. And someday soon... Florida Hospital will be Advent Health. Billy's internet costs too much dough for slow uploads that drain his side hustle flow. Now's the time to get Fios by Frontier with upload speeds four times faster than Spectrum. Our triple play bundle is now just 80 bucks a month before taxes and fees with no annual contract. Visit Frontier.com FL today for upload speed comparison and complete offer details. You've got a friend on the digital frontier. Limited time offer. Equipment fees, surcharges, taxes, and other fees are subject to change. Frontier terms and conditions apply. Service subject to availability. 
When your young athlete is injured and needs help getting back in the game, who do you turn to? The Johns Hopkins All Children's Sports Therapy Center in Tampa specializes in providing your child the best pediatric physical and occupational therapy and protecting your child's recovery to help prevent future injury. Focusing only on children and young adults, Johns Hopkins All Children's Sports Therapy Center in Tampa wants to get your athlete back in the game and back to playing the sports they love. Learn more at HopkinsAllChildrens.org. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Florida Hospital, exclusive hospital of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we welcome you back in on a special edition of Buccaneers Total Access with Tony Dungy, brought to you by Florida Hospital. And, Tony, number of coaches you brought in, you mentioned Lovey Smith, uh, you mentioned Rod Marinelli, of course, Monty Kiffin. Uh, your coaching tree, you've had a number of head coaches. And when you first came in, a lot of these guys had not coached in the NFL. I remember it very well. As a matter of fact, major criticism from the media as I'm putting my staff together. We don't know any of these guys. Who are they? Yeah, we've heard of Monty Kiffin. Who are these other guys? And uh, they were many times college coaches, but great teachers, great communicators. And one of the things I did, and I actually learned it from Rich McKay, um, I would talk to our scouts, our college scouts. Tell me who's out there, who have you seen that is an excellent communicator, knows what they're doing, but more than anything, connects with their players. And that's where I would get the names. You know, Lovey Smith, Rod Marinelli, Mike Tomlin, Joe Barry, um, just on and on. And it, it was a, a great help to me. But didn't – I mean, you're putting your staff together. You get your first shot of being a head coach – and you went with unknowns. And, I, I mean, Monty was in the yeah, league, yeah. but majority of your coaching staff was unknowns. I knew what I wanted to do on defense. Okay. We were going to run our system and what I learned in Pittsburgh. Monty was with me in, in Minnesota for four years. He knew it like the back of his hand. Hey, we're going to be in good shape. Monty's going to run the defense. Now what we've got to get is some teachers. Mm-hmm. Who can teach, teach. the, the skill set? Herm Edwards. Lovey Smith, Rod Marinelli, excellent teachers, excellent communicators, college coaches who were on fire, wanted to learn the system, and they could teach it very well. Offensively, I knew I wanted to be complementary to our defense, and so we're going to be a running team, use play action. Mike Shula had coached in Chicago. Mm-hmm. We'd had a lot of problems against their offense, so Mike uh, was the guy that I wanted to run it. So, again, teachers and, and Tony Nathan – Charlie Williams, University of Miami, and turned out a, a bunch of guys. Um, so it was kind of easy to put the staff together because we weren't looking for names. We were looking for teachers. And in fairness, you had an ownership group that was letting you do that. And that's, yes. that's the big key. Yep. They weren't overly concerned. Hey, we've got confidence in you. Put it together and you know we'll go from there. So it was a lot of fun. And the other thing that I, I knew that we needed, we needed coaches with enthusiasm because I knew it was going to take a while. We had to change the culture. We had to change ideas and mindsets. And so, you know, you you had guys who were used to going into college atmospheres and dealing with young players and convincing them to buy into it and, you know, being patient. And and that's what we needed. And and that's what we had on that staff. And then I was just fortunate as as we started winning, Mm -hmm. we'd lose coaches and now you go through the same yeah, process. Hey, how do I replace 
uh, Herm Edwards. Well, hey, there's a young coach at the University of Cincinnati. He's turned out a lot of good guys. He's awesome. I don't know him. What's his name? Mike Tomlin. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Wow. It is very interesting. All right, we're going to play a word game. I'm going to I'm going to give you a player's name, and I, I would like to hear your first thought of, of that person. Okay? All right. This is a tough one. All right. And he doesn't know this. I'm springing this on him as we speak. The look in his eye right now is going, okay, here we go. Warren Sapp. Outrageous. <laughs> Tremendous talent, very smart, uh, just an outsized personality that uh, was very much a leader. And you used to do goals for him, is that correct, before each year? I'd send him a letter uh, and say, this is what I think you can do. And uh, some of those in, in, you know, involved defensive player of the year, lead the league in sacks, uh, lead us to a Super Bowl um, you know, those kind of things. And you had to challenge Warren. And, and uh, he got the idea that, that if he wasn't the defensive player of the year, uh, he, he didn't meet my mm, expectations. expectations. Yeah, I like it. Um, Derek Brooks. Wow. Hard to – just one word can't describe him. Dedicated, determined, winner, leader, um, but just, I guess – Son-in-law, you know, that's oh. who you'd want to be. If you had a daughter that needed to get married, it'd be Derek Brooks. No, oh, I like that. I like that. Mike Allstott. Determination. Just unbelievable determination. Wanted to be the best. Uh, fearless, tough. Uh, I remember talking to him early on because he and Dave Moore wanted to work out over mm -hmm. in you know, across the bridge. St. Petersburg. Yeah, in yes. St. Pete. Didn't want to come over. And I said, hey, Mike, I know you guys are going to be in shape. I know you're pulling Jeeps over there <laughs> and doing all <laughs> kinds of stuff and lifting the whole weight room. But we need to build this as a team. Okay, coach, if that's what you need, I'll be here. And then came here and became the hardest worker and setting the tone and uh, just just uh, great work ethic. And the the names I'm uh, I'm saying are just because those are the names almost everybody pops up with. So Rondé Barber, versatile, could do everything. Um, and, and I remember when he got here and just saying, "Boy, this guy has these special traits, and not otherworldly in any one thing, but he can do about twenty things as well as anybody." And uh, he just he played so well in our system, but for so long and so consistent, uh, just incredible. And then we can't leave out John Lynch. <sighs> Making the big play when you needed it. it. When you needed that special play, whether it's a big hit, an interception, a cause fumble, uh, just a, a game-saving tackle, when you needed the play, uh, he was going to deliver. And Johnny Lynch special. Yes, yeah. Could John play in this league today? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Even with his star. devastating hits? Even with the, the rules, he would adjust and adapt, and he'd figure out a way to do it. But uh, you talk about leadership and smarts and determination and toughness and work ethic, all the things that go into – and that's how you win. You know, and that is never going to change, whether it's the 70s and the Steelers, the mm -hmm. 60s and the Packers, the, the 80s and the 49ers, the 90s and the Cowboys. It's, you know, it's not talent as much as it is work ethic and leadership and just that will to say, you know, we're going to be the best. It's interesting you say that because Dirk Cutter in the last few weeks has been saying that he's going to put the best 46 on the field that week against a team. 
And a lot of people have a hard time understanding that because their 46 is different from what his 46 is. <laughs> there are people who um, win for you, mm -hmm. and it's the same anywhere. Dave Moore was a unique player here for us, did a lot of things, long snap, played fullback, tight end, uh, was a great guy in the locker room. Those are guys that, that win for you. Brock Heward was our backup quarterback in Indianapolis, maybe as critical to our success as anybody. And most people would never even know his name or, or wouldn't even remember he was on our team. Right. But the things he did in practice, the things he did to help out, uh, those that's what wins for you. Unsung, unsung buck. Because we all know the names and we throw them all out there, but it, during your time, you're unsung buck. One of the most critical people in, in my time here was Paul Gruber. Mm -hmm. um, just fantastic, rock solid, left tackle, played until he got hurt, just played every down, never had to worry about that position. Nobody ever heard from him, didn't say much, but you ask any of the guys on that team, who's the one guy nobody would mess with? Paul Gruber. And everybody forgets his last game was the Chicago game we clinched and he broke his leg and he never played again. Never played again. And I, to this day, I think, you know, Jason Odom had a back injury mm -hmm. and he was out and, and Jason, you know, was a key player for us too. But Paul, if we'd had Paul and Jason, I, I think we'd have won that Super Bowl. Um, they were that good and that instrumental. We, we went through the playoffs without them uh, and Pete Pearson and Jerry Wunsch did a great job. Right. But those two guys could have been the difference. Yeah, well, guys fill the gap, next man up, but, you know, it's hard yeah. to replace. Um, the 98 season, uh, believe it or not, it's been 20 years <laughs> since we uh, opened Raymond James Stadium, and that photo there is the first yeah. game against the Chicago Bears. But that was a crazy off season because we were on the road. Uh, I think we played yeah. the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, and we then had Five preseason And I say games. we, I yeah. should say I covered yeah. the Hall of Fame game and, and, yeah. and that. Yeah, we um, knew and, and, you know, the stadium referendum passed. Mm -hmm. We knew we were going to get a new stadium. They start building it, but it's not going to be ready until week three of the regular season. So every game is on the road, and they gave us the Hall of Fame game. Right. So, yet yeah, we're and, going to Canton, Ohio. Norman, Norman, Oklahoma. Norman, Oklahoma. And, I remember, and, and Norman, Oklahoma, this is, you talk about opening the curtain and um, Eric Vance. And I always tease Eric Vance about this. He, he should have kneeled on the ball, but he didn't. He came out and fumbled it and we went into overtime and um, it's a defunct airline. Now they merge, but it was Northwest yeah. airlines and there was going to be a pilot strike. And I remember we all jumping on the bus, like, Everybody had to hurry, hurry. There. You can't take a shower, can't get dressed. They just go, whatever you have on, get go. on the bus and let's get there before the airline shuts down. We got to get home. Yeah, we're going to win the game. Eric Vance intercepts a ball. The game is over. He Instead of staying in the end zone, he runs it out, fumbles. They score. We go into overtime. We're going to miss this plane. We're going to be stuck in Norman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we all jump on the bus. And actually, we were flying out of Oklahoma City. So we were rolling up. And I, I always remember as the buses are pulling up, I see the flashing lights and I see the equipment truck sitting there. And everybody's, get on, get on, get on. And then uh, we all get seated, and the pilots stand up and say, "Yeah, we're not we're flying." We're not flying. Yeah, no. That it was one thing after another that that year, and uh, then we had a game out in Oakland where we played in, I think, New Orleans on a 
maybe a Monday night, and then we played in Oakland on Friday, and we're just traveling all over the place, first two games on the road, and finally got back to the, the new stadium, and it was it was worth the wait. Yes. It was phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, to go in there, but that was a long seven weeks of road games. And you've always talked about adversity, and, team, and players have to. That season was truly a season of I'm not sure who we were, because uh, I think we were, the team was eight and eight at the end. Last game was in Cincinnati. Yeah, we're in Cincinnati. We went thirty-five nothing. We needed Arizona to, to lose. lose. Jake and the Snake. We are on the plane <laughs> and they're losing. They're winning. The pilot is giving us updates. And you know, you talk about technology has changed so much. <laughs> we had those little analog TVs. And you would be flying, and of course you're not You'd supposed go. to do that. But we're on a yeah. charter, so we're we're sneaking those TVs on, and you would hear a roar in the aircraft as "Yay!" Oh, they're behind. The, yeah. Oh, they missed the field goal. Oh no, and that's going <laughs> into overtime. <laughs> and what's funny is you had to change the channel because depending on where and, you were flying, yes. what, as you what were city in and out of the range. Yeah. yeah. So and we and, landed and found out uh, that Arizona won what? in overtime, and yes. we were knocked out of the playoffs. And uh, but I think that gave the guys some determination. You know, we, we left it in someone else's hands mm-hmm. that year, and we got what we deserved. And they came back in 99, and they were totally determined to not leave it in anybody else's hands. And 99 was a very magical season. It was, it was truly a magical season. And um, when you look at the, the greatest show on turf, as they were called, no one gave a chance um, at all. We went in there early. We'd go on a Friday. The game was on Sunday. If you were to turn the radio on. Two days of, uh, this is the biggest mismatch in the world. Who are we going to play in the Super Bowl? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was when you ended, and then you had to go right to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but 99, that game and, and uh, the Bird Emanuel rule, which you can explain better <laughs> no, than anybody. I, I can't explain it. <laughs> We're we're driving. We're we're six to five. We're ahead. Ricky Pro makes a tremendous mm-hmm. catch in the corner of the end zone. Brian Kelly misses the ball by an inch, mm-hmm. uh, and they score and go ahead eleven to six. We've got to drive back down. Sean hits a pass to Bert Emanuel, puts us in position where we've got a chance to throw some balls in the end zone and win the game. And we call a timeout to talk about our last couple of plays that we're going to attack the end zone and uh, instant replay. You know, it's, it's a, the new instant the replay. The new instant replay was new that year. Um, Jerry Mark Bright was the official yep. up in the booth who stopped it. And, and we never had luck with Jerry Mark No, Bright. no. And I he, will say it. I, we just never did. He made a call and said that Bert didn't catch the ball. So uh, in those days, we even lost our timeout that we took. So now we had to just kind of throw a desperation ball in the end zone. And we lost the game. Well, of course, afterwards, um, the next day, the NFL says, well, it really was a catch. It's always been a catch. We'll have to rewrite the rule to make sure that everyone knows it's a catch. And that became the first installment of the infamous catch rule that we're still going through now. We still don't know what a catch is. Almost 20 years, 20 years later, later, we don't know what the catch is. That catch, though, did cost you a little bit of coin. So it's a great story. Well, actually, the first, this was the first year of instant replay, and I was against it. Rich McKay was on the competition committee. We were against it. We said we don't need television coming into officiating. Well, the first game of the year, we're playing the Giants, and there is a call in the game that they review on instant replay and change it. And Ed Hockley was the official, and he's, he was dead wrong. And, again, we get a letter <laughs> afterwards after the game on Monday 
well, yes, they overturned this. They shouldn't have. It was a bad call. And I said in my Monday press conference, if Ed Hockley has two minutes to look at a call and gets it wrong, he should not be refereeing in the National Football League. <laughs> and I said it just like that, very nicely. Calmly. But, uh, calmly, but of course there's a rule you can't criticize the officials. So that cost me ten grand. And my dad called and said, what are you thinking? <laughs> and I said, uh, I kind of reverted back to my old high school days, mm-hmm. and I let the emotions get, get to me. Uh, speaking of your dad, I always remember your dad and your mom uh, being out at Old One Buck, yeah. out in the back, watching practice almost all the time when they were in town. They would Michigan. come in for the games, and Friday we had kind of the short practice, um, and they would come out. My dad loved to come to practice and, and watch, and he would be there. And then Saturdays we kind of always had the family kind of just breakfast and short days. So they were Friday and Saturday, they were around a lot. And uh, those were kind of the special times too. My dad reminded me so much of Mr. Glazer. I think that's why I was, I was close with Malcolm as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to continue. We have one more segment left. This is a special edition of Buccaneers total access with, I guess your head coach, your hall of famer, your ring of honor member, NBC, uh, host i mean <laughs> I, what title i mean I, I you're, you're I tony dungy to me That's all is, is that fair yes it is okay this is buccaneers radio you grew up together went to college together now your best friend is getting married and you've been asked to make the toast you tap the glass a hush falls you clear your throat and say <clears throat> this is a big moment for everyone because right now it's time to test drive the mercedes-benz c-class Sporty, spacious, sleek. It's the benchmark of refinement and performance. The one that's been power sliding through our dreams at night. So I say, enjoy your cake and eat it too. I will. Right now, you can lease the 2018 C300 Sport Sedan with a NHTSA 5-star overall safety rating for $3.99 a month for 36 months with $4,247 due at signing. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Monthly lease payment is available only to qualified customers exclusively through Mercedes-Benz Financial Services. Our participating dealers through October 1st, 2018. Acquisition fee may vary by dealer. Call 1-800-344-8736 for details about costs and terms. For a test drive, visit Mercedes-Benz of Tampa, Fields Motor Cars, Crown Eurocars, Mercedes-Benz of Sarasota, Loki Motor Company, Mercedes-Benz of Wesley Chapel, or online at SuncoastMercedesBenz.com. This is Gerald McCoy of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As a kid, I used to wish. Someday, I'm going to play in the NFL. And I hoped. Someday, I'll be a first-round pick. And I dreamed. Someday, I'll be a pro bowler. Because someday holds so much hope for all of us. As the exclusive hospital of the Buccaneers, Florida Hospital supports everyone who believes in someday. And someday soon... Florida Hospital will be Advent Health. When it comes to cancer, defense isn't always the right strategy. You have to be willing to go on the offensive to attack it relentlessly, like Moffitt Cancer Center, standing up to it with the same courage Moffitt sees in every cancer patient they treat. That's why Moffitt is working every day to outsmart cancer, not just to react to it, but to get ahead of it, which is the best way to win. To see stories of courage, visit moffitt.org courage. Moffitt, proud partner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I've been in this league for nine years, and people still try to doubt me. Sacked by Gerald McCoy! He's overhyped. He's sacked again! He's too nice. Gerald McCoy gets this one. He's not serious. It's a sack party at Raymond James Stadium. (laughs) Don't make me laugh. 
Don't miss the Buccaneers as they take on the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, October 21st. Get your tickets at Buccaneers.com slash tickets. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Florida Hospital, exclusive hospital of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, we're in the last segment of this special edition of Buccaneers Total Access. I'm Jeff Ryan. I, I really haven't said who I was. I, I'm just so excited to have you here, Tony. Um, so if you have any complaints, you can send them to me. <laughs> send them to uh, Jeff. Yeah, send yeah. them to me. We'll, we'll get it done. Ring of Honor, but before that, Hall of Fame. You're one of four players, and I will say I said one of three, and you looked at me and you go, no, one of four. Doug Peterson became a player and a head coach yeah. last year. So you now have a club of four who won a Super Bowl as a player and as a head coach. Yeah, and it's a special, special thrill. Uh, winning as a player, I, I, that was Super Bowl thirteen for me. Uh, it was unbelievable. I, I remember walking out on the field saying, man, I've watched these other 12 Super Bowls at home, mm-hmm. and now I'm on the field. I can't believe it. We win, and, and you're in the locker room. For the first time in my life, you know, having set a goal, and, hey, we did it. We, we got all the way. We won that championship and won the last game, so that was awesome. But then 28 years later for me, um, in Super Bowl 41, you win as a coach, and you're up on the victory podium now, and they're going to hand you the Lombardi Trophy. And it takes them about four minutes to get that platform mm-hmm. done. And you see your your families are coming over the banister, mm-hmm. over the railing, yeah. and they're on the field hugging their husbands and, uh, and, and their kids. And you, your fans are there just celebrating. And you think as a head coach, man, we did this for the whole city. This, this was not just the Colts organization and it wasn't just our players. This, this was for the city. And so I think I took a little more satisfaction out of winning it as a coach. Mm, interesting. As a coach. Um, you're going to be going in. But first, you, you started something, and I remember this, um, all pro dads. Uh, I remember, I want to say it was 98 when it, it was started. 1998, yeah. And, and I remember we did a thing after training camp in the parking lot. We, we There might have been, I don't know, 50, 50 dads there the first first go around. But it's something that's truly grown and something that's dear to your heart. It, it has blossomed. And it started out, Clyde Christensen and I used to take walks after practice in, in training camp. And we'd talk about how practice went, what was mm-hmm. happening with the team. But eventually, as we'd get to Bayshore, uh, we'd talk about his kids, my kids, what was going on at home. And we'd said, always say, man, our dads were at every practice we had. They were every game. And how are we not doing as good a job as our dads did. What can we do better? And we ended up going over to Family First to really to get some tips for ourselves. Mark Merrill. Mark Merrill at Family First and how we could maybe connect a little bit better and use the time we had. And he gave us some great uh, things that we, we could try. But then he asked us, boy, it'd be great if we could team up with the Bucks and, and, you know, men love football. If we could have a play of the day where maybe, you know, we could just broadcast it, hey, Tony Dungy says this, or Paul Gruber says this about being a, a dad. And so it kind of caught on, and we thought it would be neat in Tampa. Uh, but then it, it, it went from there. We got Anthony Munoz and Mike Singletary mm-hmm. to you know give us a little tip about parenting. And then it just mushroomed. And now it's 48 states, and I think we've got like 14,000 places around the country where they have breakfast or do something once a month with their kids. Back then I was running a sports station and we actually ran the family minute. We were one of the first yep. stations to do that. So that's why I've always yep. kept and track of that. And that's going all over the country mm-hmm. now it's today a, as well. Truly yeah. amazing. Well, you have such a busy schedule. This is on a Friday. So you leave 
tomorrow or tonight to New York? I go Saturday to Saturday. New York. So we get all the kind of the high school mm-hmm. events. So we had middle school football. Yeah. Uh, my son Justin last night will have, I think, high school cross country today. And then um, kids soccer, you know, youth soccer on Saturday morning. And then I'll fly up to New York. And you're loving that. I, I do. It lets me be home during the week, lets me be involved in different things in the community, different charities. Um, I, I can have a, a presence in Tampa during mm-hmm. the week, and then I'm the weekends in New York, still stay involved in the National Football League, but not 24-7 like right. when you're a coach. And you don't feel so bad on Mondays whether a team's win or lose. <laughs> <laughs> much better. You feel much better on Monday. Now, Mondays when you win was great. Yes. But, uh, when you lose, uh, they could be long Mondays. Uh, the last, the past two weeks have been really good. The coffee is tasting yes. better. The, yep. Yeah. It is awesome. fun. It is funny how, how it goes. But fans go through that too so oh, that yeah. in all fairness that's that is what it's about but then on monday you come back and you enter the ring of honor at raymond james stadium your thoughts and what does that mean it's still hard to believe um when, when you come when i i can think back to 96 and and that dinner with mr glazer and hey you're going to be the coach of the team here's what we want to do we want to win we want to win a super bowl we want to get connected to the community, want people to feel good about the Bucks, And you think of all those things, and you really believe in your heart, we're going to get that done. We're going to turn this around. We're going to be a winner. I know we're going to have the right kind of guys. Uh, we'll, we'll make this connection. Uh, but you never think of, you know, my name's going to be on the stadium. Crazy, uh, huh? You know, I'm going to be in this ring of honor with Leroy Selman. <laughs> you just, it, it doesn't even cross your mind. So to, to see that happen on Monday night is going to be so special. And for your children, it's got to be really pretty cool that, and it's a great learning tool because you say if you do, the, do things right, Things will happen. Good things happen. It is, Jeff. And especially we've got younger kids, kids who are adopted mm-hmm. and who weren't born when, when I was coaching here. So they yeah, don't you're know just the dad. whole thing. You're just dead. I have one, my 12-year-old says, why do people call you coach? <laughs> you know, and they, they don't. They don't know. So um, it'll be neat for them. But it'll also be neat, uh, the things that we talk about, my wife and I talk about to them. Hey, if you honor the Lord, you do things the right way, you work hard, um, good things happen. And... Um, People don't always value you for your job or what you did, but they value you for how you did it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to tell your young kids, I tried to do things the right way, and we tried to make a difference in the community. And that's as much of what people are honoring as, as our record. And that's what's going to be so unique for me because I really feel that that's true. It was six years of, of fun football, but it was really more than that. Mm-hmm. And then um, you have to work on your speech. I know you have, you have that at halftime, and we'll carry it live on Buccaneers Radio. Have, have you got that written? You don't have to tell us, but have you written it yet? I, I've really thought about it. You know, you have to, who you need to thank, and then what it really means to you. And, and I, to be able to tell the fans what it has meant for my family to connect here for 22 years and be part of Tampa, and for people to think, yeah, that guy used to be the Bucks head coach but he's he's a tampa well yeah you're a tampa guy tampa all the way now so uh that that's going to be really special and that's what i want to convey in those three minutes and it'll go by pretty quick it'll go by fast and you have a ton of alum coming in Uh, jill hobbs who deals with all our alum has been telling me that unbelievable all over the country people are coming i was in dallas just um you know 
going through Dallas and I ran into Carl Williams mm-hmm. and he's oh I'm Carl coming, the truth. Yeah, I'm coming back and you know we're going to be there and I talked to so and so and we're you know and to now, I think Jill told me we might have uh, 300 people players staff for and the Bucks have been awesome they invited everybody, everybody who played during those 6 years everybody who was in the building uh, they all got invited, and so many of them come back. It's going to be an awesome reunion. And they're a lot of fun. Um, they have a reception for the alumni and for you uh, before the game, and um, I'm always down there. I've been invited to go down, and, and Gene Deckerhoff MCs it, and it's just so much fun to see everybody, and, and that's just on my level, so I only imagine for oh, you what you, what you, get, you know, to get the satisfaction of. And to see what some of these guys are doing and how well they're doing and – uh, the things that we talked about. I remember my very first meeting and saying, talking about what we wanted to accomplish and Derek Brooks coming to me afterwards and saying, you know, Coach, I lost more games my first year here than I lost in my whole life. And you're talking about all these things that you want us to do. When are we going to talk about winning? And I, I said, Derek, th- that is winning. That, you know, we do all these things, the winning will come. And now to see the guys like Derek Brooks, who's got a charter high school yes. now, and Mike Allstott, who's coaching and grooming young men, mm-hmm. and just to see what these guys are doing. Jason Odom, um, you know, we talked about he's a sheriff. Mm-hmm. He has done some unbelievable things in, in our community. So um, I'm so proud of the guys for that and to be able to – you know, get back and say, hey, what, what are you doing now? We're, oh, you're doing this? It's going to be great. Well, I want to thank you. It's a pleasure. This has been a very fast hour. <laughs> I look forward to Monday. And uh, thank you very much, Tony Dungy. Well, thank you, Jeff, for 22 years. This has been a special edition of Buccaneers Total Access with Tony Dungy, brought to you by Florida Hospital. This is Buccaneers Radio. Life is about living in the moment, and Heineken believes that you have the best times and create the richest memories when you embrace the unexpected. That's why Heineken encourages everyone to live spontaneously. Whether you're exploring new parties, just enjoying the summertime, or watching football with friends and family, these are all chances to create new stories and connections. You just have to be open to it. Heineken reminds you to enjoy responsibly. Football fans, rejoice! Affinity Rewards, fueled by Chevron, is back and better than ever. Sign up at Affinity.com, start earning points, and score big with game tickets, official team gear, autographed merchandise, and unique experiences with your favorite team. Sign up, start earning, score big. Register at Affinity.com and start earning points today. That's A-F-A-N-I-T-Y.com to register. See program rules for details. Hey, Ronnie Lane here for Bucks game day coverage. It's 98 Rock. The Bucks play the Steelers tonight. The Buccaneers pregame show starts at 5.30, kickoff at 8.15 on 98 Rock, where Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore have all of the play-by-play covered. Putting a winning lineup together is tough. Getting a quote from Geico is not. Visit geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO or contact your local Geico office today. So you're homesick and uploading pics of your kitten is all you want to do. But when your cable is slow, it's like your internet took a sick day too. Now's the time to get Fios by Frontier with upload speeds four times faster than Spectrum. Our triple play bundle is now just 80 bucks a month before taxes and fees with no annual contract. Visit Frontier.com FL today for upload speed comparison and complete offer details. You've got a friend on the digital frontier. 
Limited time offer. Equipment fees, surcharges, taxes, and other fees are subject to change. Frontier terms and conditions apply. Service subject to availability. How do you become America's best-selling brand? You build the legendary F-Series trucks. America's best-selling trucks for 41 years. With Super Duty and Motor Trend's 2018 Truck of the Year, the F-150. Now is a great time to check out Ford F-Series trucks. With great offers, leases, and financing at your local Ford store or online at buyfordnow.com. America's best-selling based on 2017 calendar year sales. Best-selling trucks based on sales December 1976 to November 2017.